Radiodrome. Radiodrome episode 41, and screw you, Jared, I'm going to continue to say the episode numbers. Radiodrome <laughs> episode 41, and with, with me, as you can hear, is Brad laughing, and Jared's probably clanking his bowl of chili back there. No, no, he just clanked my Sierra Mist open. Ah, okay. Bartender up here. <laughs> well, I'm the diva who has to have his drinks open. Well, yeah, you're the, you're the star of an upcoming movie. The Cinema Snob movie. Wouldn't it be funny if I was just like, a co-star... I'm in it for like 10 minutes. <laughs> that would be great misdirection. Yeah. Well, hey. The Cinema Snob movie starring Doug Walker. Star, <laughs> starring James Rolfe. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm starring in the Angry Video Game Nerd movie. <laughs> It'd be great cross promotion. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you guys, if you guys were going to go and buy porn online, where would you do it? What, what do you what, mean buy porn? Why do that? I'll, I'll just look under my mattress. Youporn.com. <laughs> you guys aren't making the Adam and Eve promo any easier. You know that, right? Clearly, I would go to uh, Adam and Eve because they have the best bleached anuses. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, remember the Brie Olsen pocket anus. Right, yeah, exactly. The pocket anus. Yeah, so go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME and you get 50% off of a single item. You get free shipping. You get three free DVDs and you get a free mystery gift. There's no reason for you not to use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Forget all those other promo codes that you see on TV and whatnot. Just use DROME because that's better. Because that's the only way we get money out of it. Or well, just I wasn't going to say that, or, but or, yeah. Or just use Drome for every ad you see on TV for a promo code and, see if, it, and see if it works. <laughs> yeah. You never <laughs> know, it might. .com and enter Drome. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it would actually kind of throw me if it did work on a few other sites, because <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. not getting paid for those. <laughs> we are going to start a semi-new feature here where because of Brad's inability to be able to record video reviews for Blu-rays and actually show them in Blu-ray quality, Brad is going to do audio reviews for Blu-rays. Correct, Jones? Yeah, I mean, I could do. I did the Exterminator one just fine on that video, but there's some other stuff that I've gotten that right now, that right now I don't really have the means to, uh, to essentially rip it onto the computer so I can use the video footage and make a video out of it. So um, I would still like to get some to to get some stuff that I used to have in my collection and don't unfortunately anymore and just see how they and see how they look on uh, Blu-ray what some of the extra features are and I wouldn't mind uh, I wouldn't mind talking about that every once in a while. Well, let's start with this one. You brought up Caligula. You wanted to talk about Caligula. Go. Well, are we doing that at the beginning? Oh, why okay. not? <laughs> All right, I, I do. I do have the Caligula Blu-ray. Uh, I it was it was I had to make sure it was the first Blu-ray that I bought. <laughs> Makes it sense. Was a, it was a few months back. It's my favorite movie of all time. I don't. I don't really need to go into a review of the movie. Most people know what I think of that movie. Blu-ray in itself, it's it's two discs, whereas the, the Imperial Edition DVD for it was was three discs. But it's it's the same thing. It's still the Imperial Edition. The covers the same. The extra features are the same. The menu setup is different, and of course, it's condensed into two discs instead of the three. The extra features on it are 
are fine. You have that hour-long making of documentary, which is a pretty fascinating documentary. There's even a shorter version of it too. Is there, um, is that a new documentary or is it a vintage one? No, this is a vintage documentary. This was shot like while it was being made and while all the the feuding between like Gore Vidal and Guioni were going on. It was shot like during all that. It's a vintage documentary and it's a a really fantastic watch. It shows them putting together like the makeup on all the nymphs and like building the uh, the imperial brothel and it's it, it's pretty cool. And it also has interviews with uh, a couple of the people in it. There's like a new interview with Lori Wagner who was one of the lesbians and John Steiner who was Longinus. It's it's got interviews with them and. Dear God, Lori Wagner's still looking gorgeous. <laughs> and John Steiner doesn't care too much for Caligula. And uh, what else What else has it got? It, the audio commentaries. Uh, Malcolm McDowell does an audio commentary, and it's, it's very, 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 very funny. Like, he has a wicked sense of humor about this movie. Helen Mirren does a commentary, and she's really funny, and she really likes the movie. <laughs> And there's a commentary by one of the uh, stage guys on it, I, I believe. It's one of the it's one of the crew guys does does a commentary on it, and it, the one with the crew guy, he's like it's being done over like a uh, over like a what sounds like a speakerphone. Nice. So the audio is not great, but I mean it's it's a pretty good listen, and uh, it has an alternate version of the it has an alternate version of the movie. It puts stuff it back in chronological order because when the movie was released, some stuff was taken out and put here. This was put here. This was put there. And it wasn't in a very good chronological order. And there is a version on the DVD that that does do that. Where though the one thing about it I don't like, and this is why I like the DVD better, is that the the Im- the image quality of it's very shaky. Like physically shaky. Yeah, yeah. Like the the screen itself, it shakes ever so slightly, and you can definitely see it in the credits. In the opening credits, you can you can spot it because the credits are shaking. And I don't know, that's just my copy. I mean, I know it's not my player, because other stuff I've watched on that looks fine. But, so in that regards, uh, I mean, if you already have the Imperial Edition on DVD, you really don't need to bother getting the Blu-ray. It's the same thing. And the quality of it's not as good as the DVD. Like I said, it, it's shaky, and that's that's pretty distracting. They have, like, a bunch of deleted scenes on there, but they have a bunch of deleted scenes on there, but they're all not set to sound which is weird because some of them I have seen with sound before and some of it a lot of it we couldn't wasn't ever used in the movie so it it, it wasn't dubbed but still like other parts of it I've seen dubbed in Italian I've seen dubbed in other languages put subtitles on it like I'll take that do that and put subtitles on it instead of just silence and soundtracking over it. Well, like, do you remember when we talked about that movie Cut and Run, the Diodato one? Yeah. And the only version that was available was the one with the director's cut with all the added scenes in it that that were only in Italian? Mm Mm-hmm. Yet there was a VCD released of Cut and Run that had those dubbed in English. Yeah. And it makes you wonder... It, when you know there's a correct version out there, is it more of a they're too lazy to go find the original footage, or is it that you know that VCD was so underproduced we can't even find a f- copy? Like I've I've got a I've got a foreign DVD of Caligula that's got like the Proculus versus the Death Machine scene in it, and it, the whole thing's in Italian. But even still, that's I'd I'd, I'd rather watch that than just nothing, no voices, and just with the sound track put over it and this is all this these aren't deleted scene in the 
the Blu-ray and on the DVD, these aren't deleted scenes that are inserted back into the movies. It's an extra feature on there that has a bunch of deleted scenes, and they're all soundless. Like, I don't know, just like anything. Just... American Werewolf in London, the DVD does that with all their deleted scenes, too. There's no audio. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's interesting to see it, sure, but it's disappointing. It, very much so. Now, I got a question for you. This is more of a something you may not be able to answer about the yeah. sh- about the shaky uh, picture quality. Now, the DVD yeah. the DVD was not shaky, correct? No, no, it wasn't. So, what would cause that? What would cause them from DVD to Blu-ray that would cause that shakiness? You would think it would be the same uh, transfer, but up converted. Uh, I I I don't know. I mean. Uh... It could maybe it maybe it's just maybe it's just that I got a bad one a, like a, a a bad Blu-ray of it, but I I don't know what would cause that. I mean, you could tell that they tried to make the quality a little better on it, so maybe that had something to do with it, and it just somehow funked with the uh, with the picture quality. Like I, I I'm not exactly sure, but I I prefer the I prefer the DVD. I prefer the DVD of it. No, you you brought up you did the review of the Exterminator on Blu-ray. Yeah. Well, I just got the Exterminator and Maniac Cop from our friends at Synapse Films to review, mm-hmm. and I can't remember if you said this in your review or not. The Exterminator to me doesn't look right on Blu-ray. the The picture is too clean for a movie like that. It looked. It, it looked. Uh, I would. I would certainly much. I. I think I did kind of mention something like that a little bit. That that I, I want to see. I don't want it polished up. In like pristine HD, I, I I don't want it to look as clean as it possibly could. In regards to the Exterminator, I might not have laid on it much as I could have because to me it didn't look any different than the DVD of it that I used to have. It didn't look that substantially different from the DVD. It's a version. It's it's a quality of it that I had seen before, and to me it didn't. It wasn't too clean to where it took me out of the movie, but I would rather watch like a a widescreen VHS copy of it or or something like that. Yeah, because there are certain movies where the grain is necessary. You don't want that clean of a print, and Exterminator is one of those. Yeah, something like the Exterminator, Miss Forty Five, Vice Squad, movies like that. And then I also watched uh, the Maniac Cop Blu-ray. Yeah, and again, the picture quality—it's a little too clear for me. Mm-hmm. Basically, all, all they did is they upconverted the the transfer a little bit, and they added a couple of—I hesitate to say it—but kind of meh extras. Yeah, there's an interview with Robert Zadar. There's a new interview with Tom Atkins, and there's an interview with uh, one of the the like extras. And, yeah, and it's just sort of. Otherwise, it's got all the deleted scenes, and it's it's got all the other stuff from the from the DVD. Yeah. that just makes you go. I don't really see any reason why you'd need this movie on Blu-ray. With the Exterminator, um, with the Exterminator, I can certainly see why because it is a better edition of any of the other DVDs that I've had, and it's a director's cut. It's the dire- It's the director's cut, which has existed before. It's it's the director's cut, but also you get the commentary track, which the other DVDs didn't have. I don't think the the other DVDs had any extras. No, I was gonna say I don't, the, I don't think they even one, had the trailer. Big pardon? I don't think they even had the trailer. Yeah, the the one that I used to have didn't, um, and this one does. Uh, this one does. So I so I I, I would rec- I would certainly recommend getting it. I mean, mainly for of course like to listen to the commentary, which was a good commentary. What about you, foils? You got any Blu-rays? 
I don't. I I'm too cheap to have a Blu-ray player. Yes, I mean I, I don't have a Blu-ray player in and of itself. I guess I just have the PlayStation Three. Yeah, and I'm too cheap to even have that. See, my my wife found me a Blu-ray player for eighty bucks at Walmart. Yeah. So I couldn't pass that up for eighty dollars. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't either. But one thing well, that pisses me off, Brad, you mentioned that they left the artwork on Caligula. Well, they they left. It's the same as the DVD. Right. It isn't like the original artwork or poster for Caligula. Right, which they did with Exterminator as well. It, it it's the it's the poster art, but yeah. What what gets me about the Maniac Cop one is its new artwork instead of the poster that I'm used to. I hate that about Blu-ray. I mean, I really do. I mean, even like the Caligula cover is like pretty, but at least it's the same one they had on the DVD, you know, uh, with his eyes over like the columns and stuff like that. But that drives me nuts because they they put together bad bad photoshopped airbrushed to crap blu-ray covers to well, where it just looks cartoonish well it's even worse when there's a huge spoiler on the cover like yeah. you guys have seen trick or treat right the the, yeah. the michael dotry movie mm-hmm. remember what the dvd cover was it was that picture of sam holding the little bucket with a jack-o-lantern yeah the blu-ray it, well first of all do you remember what Sam looked like when you took the mask off? It was that kind of skeletal pumpkin face. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. That is the cover, the, a picture of the skeletal pumpkin face. <laughs> That's the Blu-ray cover, and it's like, not only does that, does that destroy one of the nice reveals in the movie, mm-hmm. but it's an ugly, ugly cover. Yeah. It's not a good-looking cover, and, like, even Grindhouse. I, I would have loved if they would have used the Grindhouse poster. The, you know... Uh, Rodriguez yeah. Tarantino double feature grindhouse two and a half hours of pure dynamite and all that. The Blu-ray, yeah. the Blu-ray is just a, a, a big uh, like just grindhouse in black. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like okay, that's dull, that's boring. How is that eye catching? Uh huh. Yeah, I, I agree with I agree with you on that. One thing that I used to notice too about DVDs, especially ones from. Anchor Bay, and then, and then, of course, Blue Underground. Uh, was I always really, really loved the uh, the inserts for them, and always wish that that I always kind of wish that that was the cover because the inserts were always like uh, the foreign poster for it. it. Would always be like the foreign artwork, and sometimes not even foreign. Sometimes it would just be the American theatrical poster for it on the ins on the inside of the uh, on the inside of the cover. Which is and one, I, which is one uh, thing that that is one thing, Brad. I will compliment Shout Factory on for their Roger Corman DVDs. They yeah. all they all have reversible cover art. They give oh, you they, they give you the poster art, and you can flip it around and make the cover art the video cover. Yeah. So that they they give you both, and so they give you an option on that. And I really appreciate them doing that for the Roger Corman stuff. Jared, you're being quiet. Are you afraid someone's going to call you sexist? What? <laughs> yeah. What is a, that in reference? This to? is our first. This is our first episode we've recorded since I put the Siskel and Ebert episode up on the website, which got the most comments ever for this show. Yeah, I noticed that there was a pretty hardcore discussion going on. You know what really surprised me the most about is, that was how yeah. many people sided with Siskel and Ebert. That really surprised me. Yeah, some of that I kind of take as like, do they actually side with them, or are they just siding with them to side with them? Yeah, no, it didn't surprise me because it it kind of went their way. And really, like, the thing is, is that like, 
if it, it's not necessarily that all that they're saying is stuff that's not in these movies, like uh, women getting killed, you know, women uh, on posters and trailers and stuff like that for these movies. It's not that that's not necessarily in the movie, but it's not it's not sexist. It's not it's not some maniacal scheme to uh, put women in their place and stuff like that I think is the point is at least kind of the point that I was trying to make well and well, then well uh, you threw me off because I was wondering is is anybody on there calling me sexist no just do, me do, do I... <laughs> me too I was gonna say do I have to break some noses <laughs> you guys have seen Jared he's built you don't want to piss him off you know what one thing though that I still love is how many is like criticisms that go towards uh Friday the 13th and other movies like that when Halloween did the same exact thing. But Halloween's a more well-made movie, so it gets a pass. Right. Always cracked me up. And I like Halloween, don't get me wrong. I really do like Halloween. It does the same exact thing that the other slasher movies do. Well, and then that sort of segs into what our actual topic is tonight. Yeah. One of the things uh, on that Siskel and Ebert episode in all the comments, and I've gotten some emails about this too, Mm-hmm. Is and you've picked on me about this, and I and I know it's just you goofing on me, so oh, I, yeah. I'm not mad or anything. But basically, I'm seen as some sort of a sorry, Brad, cinema snob. Sure, yeah. You know that. Oh, I- anything that's mainstream, I automatically hate. Yeah. Were and, you like Contagion? Is that what it was called? The yeah, Contagion. I, I liked Contagion, that. Yeah. And you know how how can I be a cinema snob when? Three of my favorite films of all time are, by no stretch of the word, crap. Galaxy of Terror, Flash Gordon, and The Visitor are all crap movies, and they're some of my favorite movies. How does that make me I a cinema snob? Like, snob, not in the not in the sense that you like stuff that's um, arty, pretentious, stuff that's critically acclaimed, and you dislike crap. I think it's more saying. I think it's more kind of the reverse of that, really. In that, uh, in that we like the B movies, we like the horror movies, the slasher movies, the exploitation flick, but something that's main, but something that's mainstream, something that you know gets this uber wide release and, and and all of that stuff, is the ones that that we don't like or that or that people think that you don't like. I mean, I don't mind mainstream movies, but I think that that's I think that that's what they're saying is that it's a. In that in that aspect, and to a degree, they're right. I don't automatically hate something because it's mainstream, but mm-hmm. but to me, mainstream is just that. It's the mainstream. It's something that's got to be middle of the road so yeah. anybody can enjoy it. In other words, you're not going to see too many mainstream movies that take real risks, that really try to do something different, that really try to be innovative, or really try and be special. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the smaller films do that. Yeah, they do. Smaller films do do that. You can, you can, you know, uh, smaller movies do tend to take take more risks and stuff like that. Um, in regards to like my own personal thing towards like mainstream movies and stuff like that, is I, if it's good, then it's good. If I like it, then I like it. That's fine. I've liked I've liked a lot of mainstream movies. I've liked. I've liked some, you know, ones that really probably aren't very good. I prefer the B-movies, the horror movies, the exploitation flicks, because that's really what my taste, that's really what speaks to my taste. 
but I don't mind going to see mainstream movies. If it's good, it's it's good, you know, that's fine. It, it killed 90 minutes for me. Well, and same thing with me. I, I like a lot of, I guess you'd call them big-budget movies, you know, I mean, I've got a Dune poster on my wall right now. I've got yeah, a Blade Runner go, poster yeah. on my wall right now. I've got mm-hmm. an Invasion of the Body Snatcher 78 poster on my wall right now. Yeah. I, those were all big-budget, huge studio releases. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of... I mean, Fight Club is one of my all-time favorite films. I, oh, yeah. I still, to this day, can't believe Fight Club was made by a studio with a large budget. Josh, shh. Rule number one. But I'm not talking about Fight Club. I'm talking about Fight Club the movie. Shh. Jared, you got to say it twice, though, because it's also rule number two. But how am I supposed to talk about it if I can't talk about it? Jokes I'm hearing again. Last night, South Park was a Matrix ripoff. This was a 90s joke. Dear God, what year is this? Might be aliens or monsters. I don't know. F*** you. A Matrix ripoff or a Matrix spoof? Really? Really? South Park? All right. Let's do the Matrix spoof. Now, now keep in mind, as we record this, this is still news that has not been verified. Do you guys hear that the Simpsons... I mean, I know Jared posted this on Facebook, but the Simpsons might be canceled because the voice actors won't take the pay cut Fox wants? They came out today and said that regardless if whether or not they agree to like any kind of pay cut, if they do agree to a pay cut, or if they do agree to a pay cut, the next season will be the last season. If they don't agree to it, this season will be the last season. I say good. Uh, I mean, th- this horse needed a bullet in its brain quite a few years ago. My feeling on that, though, is it's a show that needs to end on its own terms, not because of contract negotiations. Well, no, not I agree I agree with like, you on that, yes. Not because of something like that. So <laughs> if it ends because of contract negotiations, I agree with you guys. The show, of course, isn't as good as it used to be. It, it deserves to go out a little bit more dignified than because of contract negotiations. And as bad as you can say that The Simpsons has gotten, it is not a fraction as embarrassingly awful as Family Guy is now. See, I've, I've always thought, I've always hated Family Guy. So. If you used to hate Family Guy, that is early Simpsons compared to what Family Guy is now. Yikes. Yeah, like... There's actually on Adult Swim right now a classic uh, Family Guy episode that that you just kind of wish you watch and you just kind of wish God why where did they go wrong where did they regard in terms of Family Guy regardless of whether or not you liked the jokes on Family Guy there were jokes on it regardless of whether or not you thought it was funny or whether or not you liked that kind of joke I mean there were jokes on the show it's turned into such anti humor. Crap! There was a joke on the previous new episode that was Peter humming the theme to or the chase theme from Last Crusade for three minutes. That was the joke. That was the joke. He's humming chase music to himself while no one is saying anything to him for three minutes. And that's it. They had a joke last season where Peter mentions something about something gay that happened in the mid-80s, and it proceeds to show the entire music video of Mick Jagger and David Bowie's Dancing in the Streets. That was it. The entire music video. Well, well, see, to me, Family Guy's always had one major problem, besides the fact that I just don't find it funny, is 
it, it seems to fall in the um, Freeberg and, and Setzer, the guys that do the quote Freeberg movies. Seltzer, yeah. yeah. That it's just, hey, we reference something uh, kind of nerdy. That That's the joke. Get it? That on its core, that's what it is. When it was older, when the show was older, um, in its first batch of seasons, I thought it did that well. It did um, it well, and it was edgy. I mean, you, you, you know, you had references in the first couple seasons about like Tim Allen's um, coke, uh, coke habit from uh, back whenever he was, you know, uh, just a uh, an obscure comedian, you know, and it's. And it's like that's the type of thing you don't hear about that often. But but nowadays it's all about the Conway Twitty of uh, dragged out gag and you know it's just, they don't yeah they actually don't do a lot of cutaway anymore no, and no. like I mean the cutaway has got pretty bad and forced but you know it used to me it used to be to where it was yeah of course it's a reference gag there's really no reason why it needs to be there yeah. but it was still it did it well it was still kind of funny. Um, and then they, after it went on, it just got pretty bad, and it took something that is forced and made it even more forced. They've kind of gotten away from the cutaway gag, but it's replaced by anti-humor. It's replaced by Carter Pewterschmidt not saying anything and trying to work a bulldozer for four minutes. Well, and, and that's then, worse you, you, to me. Yeah. Well, that's something that Seth MacFarlane's always had. When you look at all Ace his shows... He did not used to do that to that extent back in the day. No. Well, he, he, he used to have in the fam- early earlier Family Guys that I saw, his idea was sort of in line with what current Adult Swim humor is. That yeah. if, if, if a joke is funny at ten seconds, it'll be really funny at a minute and a half. But do it to that extent back in the day. That extent. And whenever something would... I can count a cup a few times where that happened. A few times. And that's out of four or five seasons. But sometimes when that would happen back in the day, there would still be something going on. I mean, yeah, you had Peter fighting a chicken for like four minutes. Right. But it was something going on. Right. It, it, it had fun. It had visual gags within it. It, yeah. had, it had things happening. Um, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't two elderly guys are walking towards each other, wanting to fight for four minutes until they finally reach each other. Right. It wasn't. It wasn't to that extent. I mean, it wasn't he, Peter trying to use a shoebox to get rid of a dead frog for four minutes. Yeah, for four minutes. Well, it, it, it like the the promo that they always use on TBS is the one where the baby goes up to the mom and he just goes, "Mom, mom." Mom, yeah, mom, mom, and then hi, started. and it's like that's not funny. Why? Who thinks that's funny? I agree with you. That's when it started. Yeah, that was roughly when that stuff started happening a lot. That wasn't that. That wasn't when I say that I liked episodes of that. I'm really talking about like the first four seasons, and that stuff. You would find something like that maybe three times throughout the first four seasons. There was like the knee gag. There was. Okay, there was the knee gag. There was Brian reading that really long letter from Stewie. Uh, there was Stewie yelling at the one girl in his daycare uh, because of he was sarcastically telling her that her joke was really funny and it went on forever. I can think of like only three or four times that stuff like that really happened. Whereas nowadays, it's three or four times within a single episode. But then I have a feeling Seth MacFarlane lost control over the show the same way Matt Granning lost control over the Simpsons. See, that's, he that's he a, even I admits he's a figurehead, and that's it, and the Simpsons now. Yeah. 
Well, and and you mentioned Josh about uh, Adult Swim. Uh, maybe he's maybe he's trying to uh, conform to that uh, Adult Swim anti humor, and uh, that's actually a pretty uh, decent uh, possibility because we, we also got to remember that Adult Swim revitalized Family Guy's uh, popularity. Mm-hmm. But I also, mean, Jared, after the cancellation, what? But I was going to say also, Jared, look at what is probably the most original show on. Adult Swim, that do- it doesn't do that, and that's the Venture Brothers. Yeah, it doesn't use any of that kind of humor. It gets the obscure references in, and it gets the long drawn out jokes without making them seem like long drawn out jokes. Well, but okay, you just called um, you just called a show that's that's basically a spoof of uh, Johnny Quest, uh, an original show. Yes, yeah, because it be is. Be original, I guess. Um, because J- but the Venture Brothers right. is it, phenomenal. It, humor, he, he's right. The humor in it is more original. It isn't yeah. just surreal for the sake of being surreal, like Squid Billies or whatever the hell it's called. Seriously, I mean, give me two minutes. I could think of like a couple of adult, new Adult Swim shows off the top of my head. Like coming up next, it's Invisosphincter, followed by Dave Manchu. Like what really? <laughs> well, I mean, Brad. They have a show about an ass that's a private detective. Assy McGee. Yeah, that's Family Guy joke, isn't it? Isn't it like Sherry and the Anus was a show that they were? <laughs> oh, yeah. There was a show they were watching on Family Guy. This was early Family Guy. Yeah. It was like Sherry and the Anus. But no, there's an act. There's an actual show about an anus that's a private detective. It, it's it's kind of. <laughs> no, I it's like, not. Uh, I liked uh, the head detective on In Living Color. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Maybe the well, first time. What's great about uh, Essie is, is his partner's name is Dirty Sanchez. <laughs> Are you high? <laughs> <laughs> no, but... <laughs> See, and then... What the... baseball team you root for? Oh, the Cleveland Steamers! <laughs> <laughs> and, and see, there was another Adult Swim show that was really original that nobody seemed to like, and that was uh, Stroker and Hoop. Oh, I love that show. I, I thought that show was absolutely drop-dead hilarious. That's supposed to be like a reference to Stroker, Ace, and Hooper, the two Burt Reynolds movies. Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 sort of a, and, and sort of Starsky and Hutch at the same time. Oh, yeah. okay. I, and I've never the, seen this. The, the, I, I, I really don't it, watch it a lot of It even had a little story. bit of Knight Rider in there. Yeah, because they, they, they have a super intelligent robot car that's a smartass, and then, like, uh, uh, I think it was voiced by Booger from the... Oh, Revenge of the Nerd Armstrong? movie. Yeah, I think he was the voice of the car, and it had lots of really weird, weird humor that actually worked when it shouldn't have. Curtis Armstrong does, uh, he, he pops up doing voice work uh, uh, quite a bit. He's also on American Dad. That show I actually really like. I still like that show. It's, <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what writers he has on American Dad, but they're a lot better than what he has for Family Guy. American Dad actually tells jokes. Well, we're completely off topic from our mainstream movies thing. I don't know how we segged into why Seth MacFarlane sucks now. Oh, Seth MacFarlane. I like Seth MacFarlane as a person. I think he's a great guy. And when you see him interviewed, he's a very, very funny guy. And because of that, I think it's blatantly obvious that he really doesn't do that much on Family Guy anymore. Because it's terrible. Exactly. Um, But let's go back to mainstream movies. mm -hmm. Try and save this in the last couple of, last 20 minutes. (laughs) If possible. Okay. Now, one of the problems I have with mainstream movies versus, for the lack of a better term, let's say an indie film, is Mm -hmm. you have to make money. 
there are so many people that are relying on a mainstream movie to make money. They, yeah. It's not that they're unwilling to take chances, it's that they usually can't. Mm-hmm. Because a chance might mean nobody goes to see this movie. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of the problem is the fact that the movie is mainstream is the reason that it's going to fail to be a good movie nine times out of ten, I think. Mm-hmm. Whereas an independent film can go, you know what, I'm just going off on my own tangent, and that's that. Yeah. Like, a, a perfect example, I just watched, and I know I said this channel was dead to me, but I wanted to see this documentary. On IFC, there was a documentary called Indie Sex. Yeah. About how indie films push the sexual envelope. And one thing, they got real pretentious. Of, of, of There was a couple of movies now that have actual non-simulated hardcore sex, and they keep going, but it's not pornography because it's art. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, if you're actually showing somebody getting a cum shot in the face, it's pornography. Yeah, that's pornography. I mean, you can... Obviously, I mean, you can argue to whether or not it's it's a porn. There's a difference between saying something is a porn and saying that something's pornographic. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have if you have a scene that's hardcore penetration, that's that is pornography. It is pornography. Right. And, and then now I I realize it might be literally a distinction by the fact that Universal released this, mm-hmm. but the documentary goes into all the different like, you know, sadomasochism and sexual fetishism and that and it kind of categorizes all the things they talk about. Yeah. And I kept waiting for Videodrome to come up because that whole movie is about weird sexual fetishes really when it come down to it. Yeah. But and I'm thinking, okay, it's a movie, it's a documentary called Indie Sex. And Universal was made. Universal made Videodrome. How do you leave Videodrome out of something like that, though? And, and again, that's another movie I can't believe was released by a studio. Videodrome feels oh, like happens, an indie film. Uh, when you get like a, uh, you know, depending on the director that's behind it, depending on what, on what cast you get, there there can be some rough movies that get released. It doesn't happen very often, but you know, it does happen. Okay, what, I like it when that happens. What would you say in the last five years, a studio film that you went, I can't believe a studio made this, this feels like an independent film. Can you think of any? Off the top of my head? Yeah, I'm kind of putting you uh, on the spot. But. Uh, I, I don't know. I, Avatar? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, Can you smack him? <laughs> uh, man, off the top of my head, I, I, I don't... Like, uh... Um, I remember being really impressed when 8mm came out uh, in 99 or whenever that came out. See, uh, th- the problem I had with 8mm is it never lived up to its potential. Oh, I really, for a mainstream movie like that, that was a rough movie. Oh, for a mainstream, but I mean, just taking the movie a- as to its movie. Hardcore, that was a rough movie. It was, but possibly. I hate Joaquin Phoenix. I've never seen that guy actually act in a movie before. Sure. He he killed me. His role should have been given to somebody else. I thought he was fine in it. Oh, I, I he, just I thought he I thought he did fine in the movie. He bugs the he bugs the hell out of me. He, even in I I loved Signs, but Joaquin Phoenix just bugged the hell out of me. I wish he would stop acting because he doesn't act. I thought he was fine. I thought he was fine. In oh, on, on another quick topic, I saw the Glimmer Man. Oh, what'd you think of Glimmer Man? I don't know why, but I didn't like it. It, you, it. With the Glimmer Man, I watched it again recently. I watched it with Sarah, and the Glimmer Man, when it was out in theaters, I went to go see it with my dad, and I liked it then, 
I did. I think his movie, be- I think he might have done something shortly before then that was like really bad, maybe. Uh, it might have been like on Deadly Ground. And so that movie came along, and I kind of liked it when I was younger. Like, I like the scene with the credit card. I like Steve Tobolowsky in it, um, the one scene he was in. Um, and then, and then, yeah, I watched it again with Sarah and was kind of like, this doesn't really hold up. <laughs> no, it, it's it's really bad, and uh, you know, it's keep... still better than it's a lot better than on Deadly Ground or Fire Down Below. Well, yeah, uh, because Seagal actually seems like he's trying in this one. It's a weird thing where it's like because it's a serial killer movie, because he's hunting a serial killer in it, they have to throw other bad guys at him. <laughs> Pointless subplot with the Russian mob. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then I also I'm only halfway through the movie, but. Ticker, that one he made with Albert Pinn. Oh, I didn't see Ticker. It's uh, Dennis Hopper, Tom Sizemore, and Steven Seagal. Any good? Uh, well, like I said, I'm only halfway through, and it seems very confused. Mm-hmm. Tom Sizemore's running around with basically nothing. It's almost like he's in a different movie, even though he's in the same scenes with these other guys. Yeah. Seagal is a Zen bomb disposal expert in Los in San Francisco. <laughs> and Dennis Hopper's a mad bomber, yeah, n- not aping off his speed at all on that. Yeah. And Jamie Presley is a bomb-making expert in this. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they I couldn't get Tara Reid. I like Jamie Presley, but that she's so miscast for that. <laughs> and the only one that looks like he's having a good time is Dennis Hopper. He he's he's I'm in one sure. he's in one of those manic ones where he's all Bleh! Which, I'm sure he's probably having a good time in it. But there was a dead giveaway in one of the very first scenes in the movie that this was not a big-budget film. Mm-hmm. There's a gunfight where some uh, the SWAT team is trying to free the governor's mansion from a bunch of European terrorists while Seagal's defusing a bomb in the basement. The action scene is full of close-ups of guns going off. Like, like the, they literally couldn't afford to shoot the action scene, so mm-hmm. we just have a guy holding a gun with a close-up of the double barrel going off and things. Yeah. And I'm just going, oh, that, that's a bad... Because that's what you do on a low budget. You hide the lack of set by doing lots of stuff in close-up. That's what I did at the gunfight at the end of Hooker with a Heart of Gold. <laughs> but you also had no budget. This is supposedly a real movie. What? But you also had no budget, Brad. This is supposedly a real movie. That's true. I didn't have a budget. Hey, my movie's a real movie. <laughs> I was wondering if you are going to call me on that. <laughs> but the weirdest thing about Ticker... Now, keep in mind, this was made after The Glimmer Man. Mm-hmm. Seagal is more fit and thinner than he was in The Glimmer Man, which I thought was <laughs> kind of strange. Because I thought The Glimmer was Man... Was around is... when he did Exit Wounds? Because he got kind of... I don't know about fit, but he got in a little bit better shape for that. I think this was right after Exit Wounds because it was his first direct-to-video. The, the ticker did not get a theatrical release. No, his first direct-to-video was The Patriot. Uh, no, ticker was like... It was It was The Patriot. Okay, because I was going to say, I know ticker is like 2000, I think. Ticker was ticker was before that. Okay. <clears throat> Cause oh, I'm sorry, but the... Um, the Patriot? Patriot was before that. Okay, because so I was going to say, I, I think ticker is like 2000 and... I don't know how a director. Patriot video- was what he did after uh, after Fire Down Below. Okay. Because after Fire Down Below, his contract ended with Warner Brothers. Because see, you know, you know what really disappoints me when I see him in a movie called The Patriot. How is Mel Gibson not in that? 
I would kill to see Mel Gibson and Steven Seagal in the same movie. <laughs> well, the Mel Gibson one was a prequel. Oh, a, a very prequel, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but I just wonder, how do you get Dennis Hopper, Jamie Presley, Steven Seagal, and Tom Sizemore in a movie that doesn't even get a theatrical release? Something had to have gone wrong for them not to, that not to be released theatrically. Well, it's like that one movie we were talking about last week with Nick Cage and Guy Pierce. Yeah, that, Justice. That might go, yeah, that might go direct to video or something like that. It's like, oh man, and it's from the director of the bank job. Yeah, something something's got to happen on the distribution end where they just go, no, there's no market for this, or I don't know. It's a weird decision sometimes why a movie goes direct to video uh-huh. when they shouldn't. But so yeah, I'm halfway through Ticker. I'll, I'll probably finish it over the weekend because i got to go to the Madison Horror Film Festival this week. So nice. I'm not... i got to go see uh, Rock'em Sock'em Robots tomorrow. Real God. Steel. It's I so... just saw that that movie is from the director of the Steve Martin Pink Panther and Cheaper by the Dozen and the Night at the Museum movies. Oh, <laughs> not a good sign. Sean no Levy. No wonder this dude this looks like it's going to suck. Um, Jillian's really, really looking forward to it. She a big Hugh Jackman fan? She, I, I, she, I think she's just looking forward to it because it looks like Rock'em Sock'em Robots the movie. And my thing is, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe it'll surprise me and turn out to be alright, but uh, my thing on it, going by the tr- is that, like, yeah, there's like the Rock'em Sock'em Robots thing, and in the in the review I can wear my Rock'em Sock'em Robots shirt. There's that, but <laughs> it, it, it doesn't really look like it's that entertaining of a movie. Well, I mean, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. I, I'm just going by the trailer. Well, are, I think what's really messed up, though, uh, did you see Hugh Jackman on The Daily Show? Uh-uh. I watched him on Letterman. Oh, okay. He was on The Daily Show, and he uh, they rolled a clip of uh, of Real Steel. And it's this robot that can mimic... This robot will, can mimic what, uh, what, um, the human what Hugh does. Jackman does. Uh, what he does. So there's a lot of scenes in the trailers where he's actually controlling this robot mm-hmm. from just like the from like the uh, side of the ring. What I think is really funny is just before a fight, he's giving this robot a pep talk. <laughs> and he's like, "Watch me." <laughs> and it's like, "Dude, do they have AI? Do they have <laughs> can he understand what he's No. no I, I mean, I don't think this this robot well, I, I saw like a... I saw a clip too where he speaks and he speaks into a thing, and the robot does the move he's telling yeah. him to, like right hook, left hook. It's not that he's doing that, although I have seen that clip too. But there is one clip where he's just saying the words right hook, left hook, yeah. and the robot's doing it. Yeah, yeah, that is like that is a thing too. It's like, yeah, does, does the robot have like AI or something? I, I mean, I, he... I doubt it. Mm-hmm. I, I I would think that these robots would just be automatons, expensive. The kind of robots that you see in, in, in like the old robot fighting show that they used to have on on Spike, like the on Comedy Central too. Jared, like, Jared, yes. Ultimate robot fighting from Futurama. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, under the table, you got Master Fanag controlling him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's basically mm-hmm. yeah. That's real steel, right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, are, are 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 you either of you looking forward to the thing? So I'm rolling my eyes right now with that dumb title. You know what kind of made me like roll my eyes the other day about it? The, the more I see, well, the more I see trailers for it, the more I'm like, 
it might be okay. I mean, I don't, I still don't see the point, but it might be an all right movie. Uh, but I rolled my eyes the other day when I read a thing that said how, you know, they, they said they wanted to make it a prequel because they didn't want to just remake the other one. They wanted to make it a prequel and they had, they called it the thing. And then they were trying out different subtitles for it. Like the thing, blah, 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 you know, whatever. Frozen terror or something. The thing, frozen terror, the thing, the beginning, the thing, you know, uh, the thing begins, you know, whatever. And it said like, (laughs) they, they said they chose, to just call the thing because they couldn't come up with any other subtitles. And I'm just, I just read that and went, try harder. <laughs> Don't just call it the same thing as the other movie. Ha, same thing. Try harder. <laughs> Don't just give it the same title as the other movie. <laughs> yeah, try harder, you unoriginal douchebag. Well, and then I've got, I mean, maybe, maybe these, this will be dealt with in the movie. I don't know. I, I can never pronounce this guy's name, but, you know, he was Mr. Echo on Lost. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and he was at a BC on Oz. It, yeah. It's like at a Wiley combined D Doyle or something like that. Yeah, he's in Killer Elite. He's in this as one of the Norwegian team. Do yeah. they have a lot of big African Norwegians? I don't know. I mean, he speaks with an African accent and everything I've seen him in. He's huge. And I don't think they have... I, I mean, I might be wrong, but I don't think they have black Norwegians. I don't know. I mean, you got Mary Elizabeth Weinstead in there, and she's obviously not supposed to be Norwegian. No, no. She, her character is an American. They've outright said that she, who's brought in because, like, she she knows something about the thing or something like that or about the crash uh-huh. or some, some stupid contrived reason. And, and, of course, they never find a female body in the first film when they're going through there. They only find the guys. Maybe she gets away. How? It, no, that can't, because we already know. That, that's like I said, there's no suspense. We know how the movie has to end, because they've said it fits with the first film. It would not surprise me in any way, what, since the first one takes... Or, I'm sorry, since, uh, since okay, the first one, I guess, yeah, picks up right where this one is going to leave off and takes place in kind of a short amount of time. Not short, but not really long either. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if in this new one coming out, if she survives at the end of it. That would be sexist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We don't want to be sexist. (laughs) It wouldn't surprise me, honestly, if she does somehow get away in it, and maybe she's not found, or maybe she can't say what happened until... Or maybe she doesn't say what happened until the events and the John Carpenter one have already taken place. I don't know. It, it won't it won't surprise me if she lives at the end of this movie. That'll really, really piss me off. Because if she hmm? that'll really, really piss me off because I loved how the first thing ended. And yeah. I, I, I as much as I liked the comic books, I really yeah. didn't like the fact that Childs was infected with the thing. Uh-huh. In the comics. I I, I kinda liked the ambiguous you don't really know kind of ending that the, yeah, that the movie too. ended on. And I don't want something to sully that mm-hmm. by like them trying to franchise this and going, oh, somehow the thing made it to shore and didn't freeze again or whatever. Mm-hmm. If, if they do that, I'm going to be so angry. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I hope it's good. I, I do. You know, I, I hope it uses... I hope it has the music in it again. I hope it uses practical effects. 
you know, I I hope it's an all right movie. Well, you said in a, uh, there was a trailer that you said that um, you thought had practical effects. Yeah, it seems like I heard that they are using some practical effects in this movie. Well, and then one thing, no pun intended, one thing that I'm a little afraid of is they said you're going to see what the creature looked like when they took it out of the ice. Like, you know, obviously it's not its original form, but whatever mm-hmm. form it had, and they said it looks truly alien. And I'm just rolling my eyes going, yeah, because nowadays you can make something look truly alien, huh? M- you know, maybe I got to wait to see it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I swear I've seen that in the trailer, them pulling that thing out and the ice and all of that. I just, I can't see this matching. Because you remember, in the original movie, they watched some some of the home video footage that the Norwegians took as they're getting ready to drop in the thermite and they're finding the spaceship. Oh, yeah. and that. I guarantee you, these new people will not match that footage. <laughs> maybe I maybe I'm being nitpicky, but the director has outright said that these two movies will fit together seamlessly, and I just cannot believe that that's going to work. Well, you know, I'll, I'll give it the benefit of a doubt. I mean, they were it's got people behind it who like the first one well enough to where they wanted to make this a prequel and not an outright remake. So, and even them saying that it's not all going to be just CGI crap. So I'll give them the benefit of a doubt. If it screws it up, it's not going to surprise me, but I, I hope it's all right. There's, there's no chance in hell this is going to be on par with the first one. There's no, that's just not going to happen. I can't imagine who's going to walk into this movie and expect that to happen. I'm not going to expect it to be as good. The first one's one of the most perfect horror films ever made. Oh, hell yeah. I love I the first one. I'm not going to expect that out of this one. So the least that I can hope for on it, or what I can hope for on this one, is that is that it's okay, is that it's fine, is that it works, you know? There's. I don't think anyone's going to be going into this expecting it to be as good as the first one. I'm not. And on that note, we are out of time. Oh. I know. So we can be all sexist again next week. Yay! <laughs> but no, I, I actually really like the responses we got. You know, we got some really nice response off our Women in Danger special. Yeah, and the whole. I mean, some people. Some people ask what the point was of it. Really, it was just. It was to provide have someone there to stick up for these movies that we love because what that was was a couple of guys who shared the same opinion and didn't have anyone there to play devil's advocate on anything and you know we provided a counterpoint we provided a rebuttal on that you know we actually had people us who stick up who stick up for those movies those movies that we grew up on and you know if you agree with them fine if you agree with us you know fine at least in that at least in this instance we you have both sides of it i think they were just trying to score some lady points (laughs) you said that yeah well we'll see the thing i really liked about about the comments was most of them were intelligent, reasoned arguments, even if they were against us. And that yeah. is that is what I encourage. If you mm-hmm. disagree yeah. with if you disagree with us, fine. But then to do it in an intelligent, articulate manner. That's all. Yeah. That's all I ask. If you disagree mm-hmm. with us, there was a lot of there was a lot of really good reactions to it. Right. So I'm going to say good night. You guys want to say good night? Good night. Good night.
Time we should be gone. 